Here we go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It is time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. And I'm just going to get this off my chest right now. I'm so sick of this Joe Rogan bashing bullshit. I don't even like Joe Rogan that much. I haven't watched his show in a long time. I used to watch it, or watch it, listen, I used to listen to it when I was driving around. Uh, I've had a few people emailing me, kind of chatting, uh, throwing in their two cents on the topic. I was on a Facebook group the other day, and uh, there was all these people talking shit. And so I commented uh, as if I didn't know anything about the situation. And I said, what was it that Joe Rogan did again that uh, is the reason why people don't like him? And I got probably 40, 50 different just imbecile, moron, dipshit, numbskull answers. Oh, he's a transphobic. Oh, he's a misogynist. Oh, he uh, he isn't positive. And he's just, he bashes everybody. Are you fucking kidding me, people? Do you even listen to his show? It's just the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. I don't get it. But I did hear recently somebody did have an interesting idea. Someone said, and I don't know if there's any truth to this. I might. I kind of want to like research it a little bit. Someone brought up the idea that maybe Rogan's controlled opposition now. Maybe he's trying to purposely perpetuate certain narratives. And I don't know if, I don't really don't know if he's that kind of guy. I think he's just a curious, uh, courageous guy. What's wrong with being curious and courageous? It's the not curious people and the not courageous people that are the fucking problem in this world. I've said it a million times. You're never going to be criticized by people doing more than you. All you people out there talking shit about Joe Rogan, what have you done? What have you done in your life? Are you as successful? Do you wear as many hats as he does? UFC commentator, TV show host, actor, podcaster, fighter. What do you do? Are you a keyboard commando sitting in your mom's basement just slamming your keyboard? Ah, oh, fuck the world. Fuck Joe Rogan. You people are fucking pathetic, dude. I don't get it. I don't understand this, this propaganda. It's That's what it is. It's certain media companies pushing anti-Joe Rogan propaganda. And you know why. Of course they're going to try to shut them down. All it is is cancel culture, censorship. Demonize, ridicule, mock. It's a tool of the big club's trade. It's the way they play the game. You know, everyone, all these big companies that are part of the Vanguard and the BlackRock Fund, your big tech, your big media, your everything. Of course they're going to have a concerted effort. And focused attacks on a guy that's blowing the whistle on, you know, having Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough and others on. And the same thing they did to Jordan Peterson. 
What did Jordan Peterson ever do to anybody? Except for stand up for what he believed in. And honestly articulated his thoughts about the world. You can disagree with what he says, that's fine. But why do you got to hate the guy? Are you doing more in your life than Jordan Peterson? Are you doing more in your life than Joe Rogan? When's the last time you looked in the mirror and did a little self-reflection and did a little self-examination? Who the fuck do you think people think you are? You're a bunch of uh, you're a bunch of petulant little sniveling pissant fucking children. It's just gross. And it's just another example of how the big club operates. It's just another example of how all these big tech, big moneyed interests focus their attacks on, you know, it's like, it's like, I just heard in some college, they put a, a trigger warning on Orwell's 1984. Are you fucking kidding me? People, I was assigned Orwell's 1984 in middle school as homework to read. And now colleges are putting, you know, parental advisory, explicit information warning, trigger warnings on Orwell's 1984. Are you fucking kidding me? People, this country is on a downward path. We're, we're, it's circling the drain time for us, in the words of George Carlin. We are screwed. We are fucked. And with every passing day, I see another one of these examples that further illustrates and uh, is a perfect, it's perfect support for my always consistent themes here on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. And speaking of the fact that, think, just think about what I just said to you people. Think about what I just said about when I was in middle school, I was assigned George Orwell's 1984 as homework to read. And now in modern day America, in colleges, in universities that people pay their own money or the government's money to go to. And they're putting trigger warnings on Orwell's 1984. It's a perfect example of what this show is going to be about today. From my generation to present day. So much has changed in this country. And for us Gen Xers, Xennials, the generation that I come from, we feel like we got one foot in the old world and one foot in the new world. And I can't take credit for that phrase. That phrase belongs to the one and only Sam Winchester of the According to Sam podcast. And he, ladies and gentlemen, is the guest on my show today. I'm going to take a break and get this stupid anchor commercial out of the way. And when I come back, I have one hell of a show for you people. Me and the man himself, Sam Winchester, are going to have a two hour long, two plus hour long conversation about how much this world has changed.
over the course of the past 20 to 25 years. Go grab a beverage. Strap on your seatbelts. And get ready. We're going to take you on a ride. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be educational. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll be right back. And when I come back, we're going to have two of the best hours of conversation I've probably ever had on this podcast. And that's easy for me to say because it's only the second conversation I've had on my podcast. (laughs) Me and Matt from The Great Deception had a fantastic conversation last episode. And I got another one in store for you good fine people today. I will be right back after this. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, finally, I told you guys, uh, I've been saying it for a long time that it took me a year, finally got around to it, but I'm starting to do interviews with people. And today I got the man himself, Sam Winchester from the According to Sam podcast on the show. Sam, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, I've been looking forward uh, to this since we, you know, put it on the schedule and said that we're going to do this. This is uh, actually my very first uh, interview. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think we're going to have a great discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yesterday I did my first one too. And uh, you know, for all of our listeners, this is uh, this is some of us up and coming podcasters getting our feet wet. So hopefully you guys can uh, listen and learn and come along on the ride and uh, with us and uh, you know, Let's keep it going. So you actually had a great idea. You said that both of us have talked in the past about uh, being Gen Xer, Xennials, and uh, just kind of kicking around ideas about how much things have changed from our generation to what kids are going through uh, these days. And I wanted to kind of let you just kind of go and set it up uh, what your ideas were, and let's just let's just get it going. Well, I. I see Generation X. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, the world has changed significantly um, in this new millennium. And uh, as Gen Xers, you know, we got to live in the old millennium, the old century. Um, And then, you know, we all remember where we were uh new year's eve 1999 when the uh uh, when the millennium century changed and and now we're in a new century and frankly a new world and our generation is kind of on that um that um that divide between the old world and the new world we can remember the old world we can remember i remember uh the very first um um cordless uh phone the 900 megahertz uh uh, uh cordless phone where gordon you know, gecko walking on the beach well not only uh, gordon gecko walking on the beach but i i mean you remember the rotary phone like oh, uh, yeah. uh, when when you were a kid and, and 
you know, even when you're in high school talking to your girlfriend, you know, uh, you had one phone in, in the living room, but you maybe had the, the long cord where you could uh, maybe take the phone uh, into a, another room and close the door and have a little privacy. And, and, right, right. Uh, and, and, and I remember when the very first cordless phone came out where man, I could go into the front yard or the backyard and, and talk on the phone. That was a big deal. Um, and that's just a, a small part of the technological uh, divide that, uh, that, that we experience between where we are now and where we were back then. But that technological divide also led to a lot of social changes that we see going on now um that are different from uh the old world totally, um, totally. so th so there's there's a there's generations that are coming uh of age now uh gen uh y um uh the millennial uh generations and and, and they have no concept of that old world so right. so us as gen xers we um we very well understand the old world and we have a foot in the new world so we kind of like bridge that divide from the, the gap world, yep. bridge the gap from the old world to the new world and um so the the decline that we see going on um in our world is very uh it, it's something that we're very aware of yeah it's very apparent and I think that you are absolutely correct that our generation has this unique perspective. It is like one foot in the baby boomer disco 70s generation of our parents and grandparents versus, you know, the, the generations that are coming after us. For sure. Are, the technology has advanced so much. And you said it yourself, and I think about this all the time, is that uh, the new technologies that you know, whatever they're cooking up in the government program labs uh, that they know uh, that they have access to 40 years before they release it on the market and let anybody else start actually using it. Um, I think that's what happens is the technology rollout of certain things couples with uh, governmental changes in policy and legislation. And I think that it's a perfect storm. It's like that for a reason. I think that when they released social media on us they knew how it was going to change the landscape of everything business communication uh it, it, and the latent effects too of um the sense of community going away uh just stay in your house don't go you know fear your neighbor you know don't go talk to your neighbor don't associate with your members of the community and you know it, it's our generation that I think is sounding the alarm. It, it's like, sure. hey, everybody, stop, pause. This is moving very quickly. And there are those of us that are able to see what is happening, probably more so than the younger generations and the older generations. And so I agree with you. It's kind of our responsibility with our unique perspective to be sounding the alarm and to be podcasting and getting on social media accounts and telling people, hey, take a deep breath, rational pragmatism, bring it back to center. Let's not make all of our decisions based on fear and rage and envy and 
emotional decision making. And that's what's happening is that for sure this technology, this this new technological era that's coming is going to change the mind of the average American and the actual I, 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 I actually think the citizen of the world. And that's how the universality of things one world as they say is you know that's this is the the foundation being laid of what may become world government eventually sure and and this is and this is exactly how it happens um you know it's it's difficult like grabbing a millennial and and saying you know that look you know this world that you're experiencing right now it hasn't always been this way right and 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 recently no these changes are recent it hasn't always been this way and it's not better so there's this um this not <laughs> no it's not better at all and you and i know that anyone who mm-hmm. in our generation knows that it's not better it, it, it's, it's not better for the cultivation it's not of better the self and the individual for sure it's it's absolutely worse and and we have the unique ability to like i said because we have a foot in the old world and the new world i mean we have the experience where we can say look i was there and and no this is what you're experiencing right now is not better. It's a lot worse uh, for your uh, mental uh, uh, health, uh, for for your health in general. You have, I mean, how many people did you know that were on mood stabilizers when you were growing up in in high school and on SSRIs? And, And now, I mean, that's a huge epidemic where people have to take pills to be happy. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it's a huge epidemic. And it's that's brave not, new world. It's straight it's, out of Huxley's book. It's it's it, the TV show on Peacock. It's, it's the you know all of those pharmaceuticals are. That's what the somas are. They I don't yes. know if you've seen that show, but it is you would love it, Sam. It is fascinating to see that every time in general society something that ruffles the feathers and gets people a little bit emotional happens pop 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 they're they're popping these somas in their mouth and everyone's walking around asking how are your levels how are your levels (laughs) and it just creeps me out because it's like it's this caste system you know the people that are the aristocracy or the a's and the b's are for pleasure and the gamma's are for service and the epsilons clean up the shit. They're the untouchables. And that's the way this regimented, mind-controlled, mind-manipulated society, it's sci-fi and it's a book that was written 100 years ago now, obviously, and they've kind of made it more into a sci-fi TV show. And me and Matt from the Great Deception Podcast talked about the other day about how all these uh, motion pictures and TV shows are just regurgitated stories repackaged repurposed for the next demographic the next generation target market yada yada right and that's what it it scares me the most is that you start seeing these changes happen in society our generation and you're like oh you know it's it's like you kind of have to pause and be like whoa this is this is getting out of control this is getting out of hand on a level that i didn't expect it to get to this quickly and then you know people like us like-minded truth-seeking searcher individuals that have experiences and like you said have a unique perspective start putting it together and following the breadcrumbs and piece by piece step by step 
all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is premeditated. This is Absolutely. on purpose. They're doing it. This on purpose. isn't a chance occurrence. I don't believe in coincidences anymore. It's it's troubling. And then the next thing happens. And the next thing happens. And everybody, you know, Schopenhauer, all truth passes through three stages, right? It's like first it's blasphemy, blasphemy and a mockery, and you're ostracized and shunned out of society like the Socrates and the Aristotles of days of old, right? For sure. And then it starts to kind of get into that critical mass consciousness of the average, you know, citizen. And then boom, one day it's accepted as truth. And that's what you, it, I hate it. I hate that you see it happen and you want to scream it from the rooftops and it falls on majority deaf ears. Now you, you so um, you say that it's premeditated and, and it absolutely is. And, and people like uh, myself and you who are researchers who, you know, uh, want to go back and read the literature from Walter Lippmann, from Edward right. Bernays, uh, from these guys uh, that were working with uh, Rockefeller and the rich uh, New York elite um, in the uh, early the 1920s. <laughs> yeah, the big club. Now, you know, we say that that what's going on now is premeditated, but these guys actually wrote about it. They, they, they said what their vision for the American society uh, was, you know, uh, you know, that's what uh, makes dec- it irrefutable. Decades ago. It makes it irrefutable. So it makes it irrefutable. You can't argue us- against the past that actually occurred. Exactly. No, you can't. So it's not just us saying that it's premeditated. And, and I mean, these people, they they said what they wanted to do and they started to put it in, into motion. And uh, the technology is basically what gave them uh, the tools to take the next step in their plan. For sure. You, you know, uh, we've always had propaganda. You know, we've always had, uh, you know, um, social engineering. But when the technology came of such where I can receive messages on my phone while Game I'm in, in, in yep. line at the bank or in the grocery store where I'm immediately being able to be, uh, you know, targeted with this propaganda and uh, and with this social engineering and this messages messaging wherever I am. That was a game changer that allowed them to take the next step in their plan. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and uh, so, so, I mean, when you look at their writings, you look at their plans and you look at what's happening now, I mean, everything kind of fits in as a puzzle. Yeah. I always say too, like on that same line of thinking that two of the worst inventions for that cultivation of self, self and the, the, you know, full, like, pupil being taught by teacher uh the guilds of the past the way that that the next generation was brought up into the culture and into the society um it that is almost non-existent it's almost like the people controlling the tech are the ones bringing up your kids now and i was even talking matt was talking he's got an eight-year-old son and I've been, this has just been in my mind a lot lately with CRT and all you, what's happening in the schools. You know, I've been doing episodes about that. And he told me something that blew my mind. Like, they're not even giving these kids homework anymore. He's like, he, he works from home. And when his kid was on um, distance learning for COVID, you know, he was watching the curriculum and stuff. And he was like, dude, they're not, what happened? Like, what happened? Like, technology 
you know, the, the Disney shows are raising the kids for in, the, on, from the entertainment level. And now in the schools, the screens are educating them from on the educational level. Well, don't and call they're it not education. expected to do any work. Don't call it education because it's not education. Yeah, right. It's 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 indoctrination. Agreed. It's so it's social engineering is what they they have. And 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 going back to uh, to um um what's his name George Colin uh Colin, yeah. He, yeah he and he says in that uh, one stand up bit where he says you know that they're not interested in having critical thinking, you know, individuals who know how to process information, who are intelligent, that, that to the big club, they're not interested in that at all. They're not no. interested in the they generation. That, yeah, they they're not obedient workers and obedient workers. So they, they're definitely not educating uh, kids. They don't want to educate kids because an, an educated kid is a problem for them. And it, it, for, for the the social uh, uh, movement that they're that they're, you know, trying to bring about, they want to take kids away from their parents. Like, that's what you see going on uh, with CRT. And, and, and it's beautiful, you know, that uh, I mean, if it wasn't for the whole COVID thing, you know, very few parents would have actually been paying attention to, you know, what their kids were uh, being indoctrinated with. And some parents started to look at at this curriculum that uh, their kids were getting at home. And they're like, wait a minute, what is that's this? what I think started <laughs> screaming at the school. board. That's oh, exactly yeah. that's exactly what started oh, yeah. it. These parents uh, having their kids at home, looking over their shoulders at this curriculum and and parents finally paying attention and saying, well, wait a minute, because parents have been, you know, pretty much hands off, you know, for, for decades. I mean, they're, I mean, they're working. They, there was they, faith. There was trust in those faith systems, and trust. There was in those faith. institutions and that's gone because they believe that it was the same institution that they grew up in the same school system that we uh, grew up in that old world system. They, they hadn't realized that there was a whole new system uh, that was indoctrinating their kids. And then when they started finding out, they started going to the school board meetings and then what the FBI, the DOJ started targeting these parents and it, it's, it's outrageous. And, and it's not just CRT. It's, it's an, a whole system of indoctrination and uh, social engineering that is going on uh, in the schools. Like the Matrix. And when the metaverse comes, dude, it's yeah. Plug in, and and you're you'll be forgotten about. We'll be for batteries sure. for the machines. It's terrifying. It's and absolutely it happens terrifying. so fast, so yeah. fast. It really like, did. It, it all it scares me. It's it's like it's like really like that was the plan on the shelf. Is what it looks like to me. Is oh here here's a smartphone remember when you had pagers remember when you had the rotary phones like you talked about yeah now you got computers in your pocket that tell like when's the last time you've been lost remember when you used to like have to print out maps oh for sure map quest yeah <laughs> when you're on your way to this new bar because you got a hot date and you don't know how to get there and you want to be late that's that problem's gone for the next generation you got gps on everything so that's just one example of the Gen X generation gap thing that that you know your the theme for today is obviously. And then think about the next step from smartphones. You get you get everybody on smartphones. All of a sudden, it becomes socially ostracizing to not be playing in that game and that part of the culture. Sure. And it's like these kids 
wanting the brand name. Everyone in our generation, it's like everybody wanted the brand name jeans. Everyone wanted the brand name this and that. And it was like, oh, now I'm, you know, I'm a piece of crap at school because I don't got the cool shit. Exactly. And nowadays, the same thing happened with smartphones. And that only took, what, 15, 20 years? Everything happens in generational. Notice 20 to 25 years. That's when this new stuff gets rolled out. And now we went from smartphones and the internet on your phone to social media. And the end of cable TV, the end of real news and newsmen and anchors, the end of you had eight channels and everyone, there was no, um, what do you call it? What do they call the tracking? The, the how they see how many people are watching every show. The, the ratings. Nielsen, the, Nielsen the ratings, ratings right? yeah. You had eight networks. So the competition wasn't that much. Now, I mean, it is, it almost looks like the, like, I, I think that, I don't know if this is true, but just chronologically speaking, I feel like when Clinton passed the Telecommunications Act in 96. I was just getting ready to bring up Telecommunications Act. I, I, I swear to God, that was the, the plan is we're going to hit them. We're going to hit them with overstimulated entertainments on a level never before seen. The, the just distraction and misdirection of the masses never before seen in human history. And now social media. Now we get to see your inner thoughts, too. Now we get to see your inner monologue translated and sent out to the world. And that was the beginning of privacy going away. So just like you said, it's like the tech that they've had on the shelf, they bring into existence. And then, boom, the legislation comes not too far after that, after they ran the Hegelian dialectic and got their desired outcome. That was all part of the plan, uh, the 1996 Telecommunications Act. And, and, and we know that uh, Bill Clinton was um, in cahoots with the Rockefeller Republicans and Bush. And, uh, you know, and that's the whole thing, too. And I know that you are uh, are very sensitive to the the left right uh, paradigm and, and, and how I that I know you I know you of my existence. <laughs> I know you do. And, uh, it's, and that, it's just another it's just another system of control purposely implemented for a I, desired purpose. I agree. It's just I, so obvious. I agree with you 100 percent. And this idea that, oh, you know, um, Clinton was a Democrat. So, you know, we can trust uh, Clinton and the Clintons, you know, more because they're not Republicans. No, they're all big club. They're, they're all the part of the same. Yeah, they're all part of the same group. They're all, you know, part of the same agenda to achieve the same goals. And um, you look at the 1992 election, you had Ross Perot, who comes out of nowhere, spending his own money. He's telling you the truth about Bush and Clinton, who he's running against, Um, you know, Yeah. So and and basically, you know, who knows why he dropped out of uh, that election? Uh, Mm. He was he was winning. Great question. He he was winning and uh, he was polling 
uh, very well. He had a really good shot of being this third party candidate who wasn't a Democrat or a Republican coming out of nowhere and, uh, and and winning the election. And then all of a sudden he just drops out of uh, the uh, election and then he comes back um, and people say that he was threatened. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that he was threatened by uh, Bush and his CIA friends. But Bill Clinton ends up uh, winning in uh, 1992. And uh, when he did, he did a lot of stuff that was basically just, you know, carrying on the uh, agenda of the the big club. Uh, But the 1996 Telecommunication Act was hugely significant because that was going to consolidate all of the media voices into this big club where right echo now it, it's a it's an echo chamber and right now you have um you know most of of 90 of the media that you consume you know it all comes from five corporations from the yep. same five uh corporations we and about that quite a bit oh yeah so so you don't so you don't you 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 think that you have and if you're not sophisticated and don't know this stuff you think that you have a choice and that i can go uh to this other outlet whether it's fox news or uh cnn and and msnbc or whatever it is i can i can change my my outlet and i can get a different message but no you're not getting a different message you're you're changing your outlet but you're still getting the same message because it's a corporate message and this message uh you don't have a choice you know this what you're saying right now reminds me of um the operation mockingbird video that went around where it was it was um tv news station after news station after news station reading verbatim the exact same canned messaging and information. It was it was like everyone, it was like they all sat in a room and the teacher comes in and says, here you go, guys. Uh, this is going to be the curriculum for the day. And this is what you're, you're going to you're going to read at your, um, you know, your public speech or whatever. This is and, every, and even even guys like us, people like us that saw that already had knowledge of that stuff still saw that and boom now the theoretical becomes real and you see it with your own eyes and even for people that were aware of it for me personally it floored me like oh my god everything i suspected i just got validation for For this really is the case i can put my assumption and my theory to rest and now i know that this is fact and this is what this is what i mean on my show, when I always say, at what point does conspiracy theory or just theory in general become fact? How does the thought become the real in the minds of the average American or the average person, I guess you could say? And that is a question. That is the question uh, I think most people need to start asking themselves is how do you know what you're seeing and what you're hearing isn't a spell? Isn't a magic trick. Isn't smoke and mirrors being perpetrated by esoteric societies that you should not. The point is for you to never know and to never find out. And they've been doing this. I mean, I make the argument as soon as they took out JFK, that was it. Every uh, option for you to choose from my fellow Americans is a puppet put in place 
by a group that isn't going to let another JFK happen. For sure. And that's that's what I think it is. it is. We're living. So there's this new uh, JFK movie uh, Oliver Stone uh, just put out. It's uh, Behind the Looking Glass. It's on Showtime. Someone I've, recommended I've seen it. that. Yep, Same I saw that. I mean, it is absolutely insane what they got a otherwise rational, critical thinking society to believe. You know, the fact that that uh, a bullet midair can take a, you know, left turn and, you know, and um, all of this stuff that is not even defies reality, just defies, defies reality. And they got these people to believe that is just it just blows my mind how they got these people to believe that. But honestly, the same thing with 9-11, you know, in, in our generation, the stuff that they got people to believe about 9-11, it just, you know, blows my mind. But a lot of it is is fear. And um, and I talk about this with COVID uh, as well, how we go from crisis to crisis to crisis. They are creating these crises because the crises, um, they make us malleable. Um, Things that uh, that we would have never, ever allowed them to do before the crisis. After the crisis, we're more malleable. We're afraid. So they're able to do things that that we would have never, uh, you know, uh, supported because, they could, it should, because that's what I mean by something, an idea, you know, whose time has come reaching critical mass. Well, it works in the opposite direction, too. As soon as they can chip away at enough of the weak and the un motivated uneducated uninterested as soon as they can get them on your team and they can brainwash you over to that way of thinking now they they just they're building their own army pretty they're, much they're, they're, it's controlled opposition and that's what the blm protests were that's what the proud boy shit was all about all that stuff is premeditated in a room on a drawing board in front of a group small group of people and then they just execute the plan. They, they promulgate the plan down through the hierarchy to the underlings that are supposed to be out on the streets making it happen. And it sounds crazy. Oh, I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist. Oh, I'm so nuts. But when you just start rationally looking at the chronology of what we've seen, not, not only since the beginning of the pandemic, but people of our generation that have seen this stuff uh, ever since 9-11, for like sure. our generation's pandemic was 9-11 and the For generation sure. now is 9-11 is the pandemic and every generation that has preceded that has had some form of that in one way shape or form and that's what i'm saying like over time the picture starts to form and you can put the common themes that you see together and it doesn't take a long time before you realize that not very much coincidence you know, all these coincidences that you see, it's too good to be true that they're just coincidences. Uh, and that's yeah. where I think the mind flips to what's really going on behind these scenes. And that's and that's what I try to do on, on my podcast is, uh, you know, tie these things together that most people don't really even know about. And once you know about these things, it's gets you to start thinking, you know, uh, and, and having a different point of view uh, about the stories that you've been told about the world that that so the the term cognitive dissonance, a lot of people, you know, don't really get the uh, the the true meaning of cognitive cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is not when you are. 
introduced with a story or a narrative that contradicts a narrative that you already have. It's the feeling of discomfort that you get when you're introduced with the competing narrative uh, to the one uh, that you already have. That if if you grew up, it's an internal uh, state. It's, it's happening an, inside of you. It, yep. Yes, it's happening inside of you and it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you, uh, it causes unrest inside of you when you are faced with a truth that basically contradicts a longstanding truth that, that you might have had. And there's so much information out there that the people don't have that if they knew these things, they would add a different perspective to uh to their overall narrative about yeah. about the world and i've had that happen to me i've actually had people uh and matt actually from the great deception podcast had a good point on this too about how people aren't c- coming into the situation from a rational point of view and that's why narratives and reason is the wrong weapon it's the wrong tool to use when you're trying, you know, it, it can only, uh, what's that Stefan Molyneux quote where he says, uh, reason only, um, it can only convince the rational uh, ideas. Ideas can only convince the rational. And mm-hmm. I butchered that, but uh, paraphrase. I know exactly but, what you mean. But, but you know what I mean? It's like, if when you're not you- a critical thinker, then me giving you a reason and, and 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 trying to rationalize with you, it's going right over your head. It's like a bird a in a cage, and you're saying, "No, sure. if I open that door, you can fly. Yeah, no, you can go fly and get the fuck out of here. If yeah. I open that door, it's like uh, uh you know, uh, allegory of the cave. Like, For what? Sure. You, how do you know that your everything that you're experiencing, that there isn't a world behind that curtain that you're just too afraid to look behind? For sure. It, and, you know, that so I guess, I guess some people it's in their nature to want to pull back that veil. And maybe a lot of people don't. But you're right about the cognitive dissonance thing is that I would love to do some type of uh, psychological study or some sociology project on the general population and see how much of their day, how much of their mind, like hook everybody up to, you know, track all their thoughts and whatever and how much of your day are you experiencing rage how much of your day are you experiencing fear uh how much are you analyzing things and anxiety you gotta add anxiety in there yeah for sure but that's what i'm saying like how much of this rollout and this change uh the slow usurpations over time to society like i feel like we're in a petri dish Yes. Like I feel like we're 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 like being worked on by, you know, the alien overlords or something, <laughs> and we're just this is the current iteration of, you know, that I was I've been talking about the Matrix so much lately I cannot shut up about the goddamn Matrix, but it's like the architect's seventh version. It's like version seven, you know, one point seven yeah. of our current society, and the older I get, the more that crazy thought that you start having when you're in your twenties and you start reading and learning about the world, you get to my age, I'm in my forties now. And you're just like, God damn it. I was right about that. I was right about that. I was right about that. And it's not a great, it's not like, Oh, ego. I was right. You're wrong. It's like, Oh, I was right. Fuck. We're screwed. (laughs) It's not a good feeling. 
<laughs> you know, the uh, what I'm doing in my podcast right now is, I'm, you know, uh, going through European uh, history and not only th- that, but just the, you know, the period of time that uh, is referred to as the dark middle ages. And the reason that they uh, referred are referred to as the dark ages is because the enlightenment thinkers uh, during the uh, 18th century, uh, they saw themselves as the enlightened ones. So they looked back at this history that preceded the Italian Renaissance and the, the Reformation, and they, they looked at that as the dark age. We're the enlightened ones. They were the dark uh, people right. who who basically um, they were, uh, you know, uh, bogged down with with dogma of the church and the uh, feudal uh, system of the uh, the European monarchs and the the you know the nobility and the thing that brought Europe out of that dark middle age was first the Italian Renaissance and what happened in Florence during the Italian Renaissance the Medici basically were rich bankers and they had a bunch of money and they wanted to invest that money to revitalizing society. There was right after the, the plague and, you know, one third of, of Europe had died in the, uh, the plague and they were looking to revitalize the society. So uh, the Italian Renaissance uh, was set about with these rich people investing and um, in all of these things that were going to revitalize the uh, society there in Florence. But these ideas in Florence were going to be carried out through um, all of Europe. And uh, the humanist teachers were in charge of uh, the um, the effort in the uh, Italian Renaissance to educate the entire populate population of Florence. And the way that they did this was they went back and they started to resurrect the classical uh, philosophers like Plato, like Socrates, like Cicero, like, you know, all of these great minds, because they were like, you know, how did these guys, you know, live in such a great society before us. And then now we have, you know, basically declined into medieval Europe. So they go back and they start, you know, reading all of these great classical philosophers and the, uh, what they started teaching the youth in Florence was rhetoric. Rhetoric was the most important thing that, that you had to understand to be a functional contributor to society. And not everybody got to know that information. Well, the, the, what they did was they gave the tools uh, to building uh, rhetorical arguments that w- what a, a logical fallacy was. What, oh, right, and, gotcha. So, so basically they were giving you the building blocks to understand w- what a valid argument was and what, a invalid argument was is this person in his argument is he using uh ad hominem attacks is he using you know um um you know red herrings is he using these were all logical fallacies a framework to a a framework of thinking and 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 what happened in florence during the italian renaissance giving people the building blocks to understand 
rational arguments and in what logical, what was logical and what were logical fallacies, everybody understood these building blocks so they could understand, you know, you know, arguments that were being made by the church, by the king, no matter who it was making these arguments, we were going to uh, dissect and, uh, and basically, um, you know, break down these arguments to their core to understand if these are rational arguments or not. The Italian we need more of that nowadays. We need to bring. We that have back. to have that. They don't want that. They don't want <laughs> that. They don't want that, Andrew. But what happened after the Italian Renaissance? The ability to to uh, deconstruct arguments is what led to the Reformation and the Age of Reason, and then the Enlightenment period, and then our mod, and then our modern uh, age that that we uh, experienced, you know, in our modern age. Uh, that all came from the building blocks that were given to society to understand logical arguments, logical fallacies, you know, and, and how to uh, construct and debate. And that that was everything to the foundation of our modern era and society. And that is all gone now, all gone. Nobody understands how to construct an argument. Nobody understands, uh, you know, how to debate what a logical fallacy. I mean, I mean some of these things that are being fired at us, uh, on a daily basis are riddled with logical fallacies. It's like, I mean, it's just, oh, it, it, sure. makes, it makes no sense at all, but the people, the are not, they're not trained to understand logical fallacies. They're not uh, trained to understand what good arguments that's are. True. So that's what we need to get back to. Like you said, the straw man, I think the straw man and Ed Hovindem are the two big ones that are, it's oh. just rampant. The straw just man, rip. straw man, arg straw man arguments are so. Uh, it's just the I main yes. I mean, they, and once you, like you said, once you know that framework, you can see it immediately. You're like, no, absolutely, no absolutely. <laughs> so the point I'm saying is that if they really wanted to have a functional society with critical thinkers, with people who were able to dissect uh, um, arguments and and break them down, they would teach you that in grade school, like they were doing in Florence during the Italian Renaissance. They were these these are things that you would learn, in, you know, at a very early age because when you understand those things, they they carry on in your in your education and you're able to use you're able to use those building blocks throughout all of your education so if you don't have those 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 basic tools to understand what a good argument a logical argument is and how to recognize an illogical argument if you don't have those basic tools then you're not a critical thinker you don't have yeah. the ability to be a critical thinker it's kind of like uh, the ability to understand those arguments is uh, is that generation's social media or something like that where it's like just some type of like you said some type of knowledge that wasn't universal gets introduced to the population who introduced that information that's a whole that's a whole other conversation but it, it goes back to that petri dish idea is that how can we progress not only the individual but the collective the in society the, the right society. direction and you know, what tools do we use to do that? And that's a good point is that in the past, things were instituted in order to bring us into more of a illuminated, enlightened direction. And now it seems like, I don't know, right around, uh, 
you know, maybe not the begin because there's a whole plan obviously behind the founding of the United States of America by certain powers that be. We've both sure. been over that before. But now that we're in it, it makes me wonder if that was part of the plan too. Is we were gonna America has a secret destiny, Manly P. Hall. Mm-hmm. And what is that destiny? Well, maybe that destiny is we're gonna move from the enlightenment to something new the new world a new dark a new, age a new dark age a new dark a new, age a new dark age that's 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 where we're going <laughs> that's makes my makes my uh, you know goosebumps on my arm step it's like it's easy you know you get into conversations like this and it's easy for the average person to dip their toe in to uh, entertaining some of these ideas mm-hmm. and i don't blame the majority of people to be like nope I'm going to run screaming in the opposite direction of that. That scares the shit out of me. And that enters that, you know, that brings some uh, frame of mind into my mind that probably is causing cognitive dissonance, but there's two kinds of people that are good that, that, you know, once they encounter something like that, they're either going to run screaming for the Hills or they're going to say, like I always talk about on my show, having the courage and the intellectual curiosity to look at that that kind of stuff and say to yourself wait a minute i'm going to investigate versus wait a minute this is scary and i don't want to believe it so i'm going to pretend it didn't happen i'm going to run in the opposite direction yeah you know and so in 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 that last part that that you just uh, stated the i believe that one of the most dangerous philosophies uh, that has crippled our society is postmodernism because postmodernism basically says that um, you can believe whatever the hell you want, you know. Um, you know, in the CRT, <laughs> CRT, they they basically say we reject enlightenment ideals. Yeah, there so, it is, and I've said that on the show before. I'm like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, nope, reject. Yeah, like, that's, you're gonna you're gonna deny the enlightenment. And enlightenment principles in a free society based on the rule of law. You've got to be kidding that me that this is what we're teaching, educating. Mm-hmm. No, they're not educ. Again, it's not mm-hmm. education. That's indoctrination. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Absolutely indoctrination, and it's taking away from uh, the next generation the tools that they need to be rational thinkers because again they do not want rational thinkers they don't want people who can understand art and so again going back to the italian uh, renaissance now the italian renaissance is marked by italian uh, uh a renaissance uh literature uh renaissance architecture or renaissance art uh that was all part of it you know um amazing the, time to be alive i'm sure no no that was all i mean i mean you play music you're you're a musician you know how how music can help you um become a you know a rational thinker and uh, and basically ground you because you are doing art or uh, music or whatever that was an extension of the thinking that was it instilled in these people that you know it's not out of the enlightenment yeah yeah it's not only going to be you know that we are uh you know 
crafting arguments and pushing back against, you know, the the old medieval traditions. Um, we're going to also be um, artists. We're going to be Renaissance men. We're going to be, you know, experienced philosophers, philosophers uh, all, mathematicians, all, right. all of this stuff that from the Enlightenment Astrologers. That, that led to our modern age. And right. then and then from our modern age, then we get postmodernism. When you think about just the term postmodernism, it's after modernism. No you longer know? modern, right? <laughs> yes, no longer modern anymore, that we're rejecting the modern era. Yes, so uh, to reject the Enlightenment period, to re reject the, uh, the modern era, uh, and then bring about this postmodern thought has been uh, very damaging to our society, very damaging. Yeah, and I fear that, like you said, that that secret destiny of America that all these esoteric societies have been talking about uh, for the past two, three hundred years, and maybe even before that, was that the plan to to usher in this, this new post era? Like you, this postmodern era. You're the one. You're the first person that told me when Novus Ordo Seclorum met. I still I've re, I still remember that to this day. And once you, as soon as you see it on your money. As soon yeah. as you start investigating our currency, game changer. It's like yeah. it's like taking the red pill, literally. Like you can't sure. go back from that. Once you are exposed to a real situation and you experience it in your personal life, it's right there on your money. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. You can yeah. have whatever opinion of it you want, but yeah. the fact stares you in the face every single day of your life. Every day. Yeah. And then you have, and then you have, you know, men like George uh, um, H. W. Bush. You basically said, you know, look, you know, we're going to be successful in our new world order. It's like oh, we will man, be successful. We will be oh, yeah. successful. That's what he said. And you know, in a world where the law, the rule of law, and not the law of, law the, of the jungle, jungle. That's what governs the conduct of nations. I mean, uh, the, and who decides the rule of law? Exactly. When there's no other country to go to because it's all under the same governmental umbrella. They decide. That's my fear with one world is where are you going to go? They where decide because ultimately they're tyrants. And, and, and that's what it comes down to is that these people are tyrants. And, and more than anything right now, you see uh, the censorship. I mean, when have uh, the people who have participated in censorship ever been the good people with throughout all of human history, oh, you know, great, great Wait, so, so you, <laughs> so I mean, you just look at history, every single story, it's the same yeah. story over and over and over again. <laughs> so, you know, um, so you see these things going on and if you're not a sophisticated thinker, if you're not uh, able to deconstruct uh, what's going on. And that's what I try to do on my podcast. I try to help people uh, deconstruct. I know that's what uh, you do. But if you're unable to to do these things to deconstruct what's going on today, it takes you like a wave. And you're I mean, you have no ability to push back against it. You you're just, you know, um, it just you're not takes, even in the game. You're not even in the game. You're not uh, even in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say on the show is like, and I said that to Matt the other day too. On um, the other, I, I got because I did my other first interview yesterday. I keep bringing stuff up from it because conversations got somewhat similar crossover subject matter. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see 
uh, moving forward coming out of this pandemic and how long are we going to keep those lies going and looking at how much that's already changed the face of the average American mind and the culture and, you know, um, the drones and, and the, uh, I, I made this argument the other day, like it's starting to feel like they want you, they want to plug you into the matrix and make you batteries for the machines, yada, yada, metaphorically for speaking, sure. obviously. And how the, what makes me feel like that, like that is, don't, you know, it's like, don't leave your house because Amazon will bring everything you could possibly want to your door. Yes. <laughs> uh, Uber Eats will bring you food. Uh, you can order groceries to your front door. And then you're, you're, they plant you in front of the screen and the screen's telling you fear the world, fear society, fear, 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 fear yeah. yep, fear uh, your neighbor. Don't, mm-hmm. don't go, you know, they're trying to get rid of the sense of community is what it seems like. And then on top of it, it's this constant bombardment of selfishness and debauchery and hedonism and, 100%. Uh, you know, chase your pleasures. Pleasure is what you want. Why not live in a what your whole life can be pleasure? You don't need to experience pain or fear. Just plug into the metaverse. Yeah. You can be anyone you want to be. And that's what scares me. It's like it's like some magician. Like or like it's almost like drug dealer mentality. Like here, take a taste. If you like it, come back. I got you 5 bucks. And once you're hooked, you know what? Prices are going up 10 bucks, 20 bucks. And now you're fiending for it. And that's what's going to happen with this technology. Like George Carlin always says, like they, they, they distracted you with gizmos and gadgets yeah. is what he says. And all, when you put the whole picture together, like you said, trying to, you do a great job of deconstructing things, by the way, better than I can. I have a crazy ADD mind that oh, I, you'd be great I, as well. I, I appreciate it in my life. Oh no, but you do. That's why I love your show uh, so much too, is because, it's like you um, calmly in a rational uh, tone of voice deconstruct things that if I tried to do it the way you do it, I'd go off on crazy pissed off tangents where I'd go, okay, breathe. I got to bring it back to center. And that's why I feel like podcasting, uh, it's going to start getting people's attention, I think, moving forward. As soon as the, the majority of the average American rational adult person starts to see mainstream media for what it is, starts to see the TV programming for what it is. It's already happening. And you and, look at what they're going. They're going after Joe Rogan, who's a comedian. Oh, man. You know? They're going it's, after this comedian that has a podcast because he's got more listeners and more viewers than them. And it, I mean, it, I mean it, it's a cog. It's a cog in, in their program. See, because this is the thing, Andrew, going back to Generation X and our generation, um, because we have a foot in the old world and in the new world, we're a huge problem for them. We, I mean, we're the big, the Generation X, our generation, Joe Rogan's in our generation. He's 54 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this generation, us that have a foot in the old world and in the new world, we're ringing the alarm. You know, we're trying to, to, to tell like that. They don't like that. We're a huge mm-hmm. problem for them. We yep. are a huge problem for them. We're the fry in the ointment. 
we're the fly in the orbit <laughs> and, and see and and that's the thing like the baby boomers are dying off they're they're going to be gone and uh it's going to be us and we're going to be we're screaming and saying and they want to get rid of us they want to shut us up uh because we are a huge problem for them right oh, now eg garland told us he told us he said hey uh white white men that are radicalized to the right and you know state news cnn don lemon for sure promulgated the same message but we're going to come after you at your school board meetings yeah. if we if we don't like what you're saying that you you're i mean and uh, honestly you're right. It's probably not just white guys. It's probably our generation. That's it's our like, generation. It's, it's not, our generation in general. That's, and, that, and that's another yeah. thing about our generation. I mean, the whole racial issue and everything <laughs> of, you know, dividing people between black and white, that stuff's mm-hmm. not, that's not important to us in our generation. That stuff came after us. That's what, and, and that, and quite frankly, that's part of the tool to, to fragment. They're society. re-educating the re- civil rights exactly yep. because because the last thing they want these groups to do is to see their commonality against this threat of this new world order and and come together so it's divide and conquer it's just yep. i mean that's what it is it's divide that's, and conquer that's oh yeah that, i mean you know you know as well as any especially my listeners i can't get off of it i can't get <laughs> off of left right i can't get off of us versus them i can't yeah. get off of the Hegelian dialectic, uh, uh, dualistic uh, thinking, you know, the good versus evil, the left or right. It's like all binary paradigm. And it's like this holding pattern for our minds. And that's why they don't like us. You're right. Because we're able to get out of that holding pattern. We're able to be like, wait a second. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. You know, because 10, 15 years ago, this is how it was. Like you're yeah. exactly right. They don't like us. They're coming after us, man. No, they are. Oh. And 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 we have to stand up and we have to continue doing, you know, uh what we're doing and 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 sounding the alarm because um, you know, even if it's you know one person at a time, and there are a lot of millennials uh that that realize it and that are basically uh stepping out and uh you know pushing back against it but you know we need more of them and it's going to be up to us to 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 basically uh help those millennials and those younger generations to push back against this agree you know what we need to do we need to buy a printing press and we need to to start sending uh remember when they used to deliver the paper when we were kids Maybe you had a paper out. I had a paper out for a while. Rode my bike around chucking papers at people's front doors. There's no, I mean, how else are you going to fight the tech? Yeah. How how else? I mean, it's going to take foot soldiers in communities. For sure. To get, it's like, you need the new Thomas Paine and the new Paul Revere to be running through the streets, you know? I I mean, uh, you're you're saying a a printing press, but that's what I see podcasting as, you know, this, you know, this, this medium uh you know allows, I speak in metaphors <laughs> no i know <laughs> but uh this medium it, it allows um us and whoever who to basically uh put together a program a message from the comfort of their ho- own home and uh uh broadcast it um I, I know that for a fact that they're trying they're 
there are people who are talking about, you know, regulating, how are you going to regulate podcasts anyway, but to people who are talking about it and misinformation and disinformation, those are just all, uh, you know, words that they're using for censorship. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what it is. It's, it's censorship. Like you're going to tell me there's no misinformation or disinformation on CNN that CNN is the, uh, the great, uh, defender of of truthful information get out of here <laughs> oh i got yeah i got an episode coming up here uh that's the theme it's pretty much enough already and is going to be the title and i talk about uh cnn's coverage of the quote-unquote insurrection yeah uh in january the the events of january 6th and how i mean i don't want to give too much away you guys can all listen when it comes out but the the ability to hoodwink For and sure. to misdirect the general population into a send them down a completely different direction, completely different, complete different road than they would have normally arrived at had there not been that external stimulus getting in the way. And like you said it yourself, that's that's the the tools to be able to process the information is gone. And in a world where the information is abundant, so much so to where you can't escape it, It, it's going to take that much more time and effort to to sift through, like you said. And that's why I think podcasters have a bright future, like you said, because that's what we're doing. We're taking the job of teacher, educator, and journalist, and we're combining them. I mean, it's like, I look at my audience as my classroom, kind of. Like, Absolutely. And, and I, had, I read this, um, I forget the guy's name, but some successful podcaster said that, you know, don't get discouraged when you start small. Sorry, I got garbage truck out my window if it's getting loud. Sorry about the I background noise. Um, but he was saying, think about it. Like, if you only got 50 listeners right now, you're starting out, think of it. That's a, You're the teacher of a 50-person classroom. Exactly. What's wrong with that? Yeah. If, if if somebody emails you and says, you know what, I listened to your podcast and it really made me think, boom, mission accomplished. I've, exactly. I've already Absolutely. I don't want any more than that. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that, that's, that's a win for me because, exactly. because, because this is the thing, Andrew, is that, um, this podcast and during our, our podcast, it gives us purpose, you know, and, 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 oh, yeah. and, and that's what, that's what human beings want out of life more than anything is a purpose that when I wake up in the morning that I have a purpose and I'm doing something that is, it it doesn't have to be, you know, significantly valuable, but valuable to one, two, three individuals where they can take the information and it's valuable uh, to them. Uh, I mean, that's a purpose. And, and when you have a purpose in life, then, you know, you're not thinking about yourself and woe is me all the time and, you know, how unhappy you are and, and, and your anxiety and all that stuff, because a purpose helps you deal with with life, you know, so what you're saying right now real quick is that's how the military pretty much defines leadership is exactly what you're saying right now. That, so, that's giving people the purpose. I love it. Totally agree. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's that's my view of, of my podcast and, and podcasting 
in, in general, you know, that's the question that every podcaster needs to ask, you know, what purpose are you uh, doing your podcast for? And uh, what are your goals? What do you, uh, you know, what do you want to achieve and, and instill in your listeners who are listening to your podcast? What do you want to give them? And yeah. Um, so, and yes, that, I mean, for me, uh, I, you know, I, like I said, like, in, in, in fact, we kind of, let's do it. Let's do a little intro. Uh, I know we're kind of introducing ourselves later. I, I talked about maybe we should probably do it at the beginning, but a yeah, little background okay. on us too will probably help both of our audiences kind of get where we're coming from. So, um, but that's what I was saying. It, it was for me, uh, it was my military experience coupled with playing in a punk rock band and touring around the Southwestern United States for years and years and years and having all those experiences and you put them together. And I mean, I can't even count how many times people, some people have said, dude, you got to write a book. And I've had people say to me, you should start a media company. Like your Facebook page is blowing my mind. And I'm just like, you know what? I got to put all of this into some type of, you know, branding and package that I yeah. can set out. And then, um, when podcasting came along, I started listening to thousands. I mean, I listened to everything that I thought was interesting at least once, right? And that's what happened for me is I'm like, you know what? I have a pretty unique perspective. And in a world where perspective is going away from the general population, it's like you, it's like being a Gen X or Xennial. It is kind of our responsibility. If you're gonna Absolutely. believe in the development of the future generations and posterity and being a states person, statesman, stateswoman, and believing in the principles that your nation's founded on. You gotta, you gotta live it and breathe it. You can't just talk about it. And then as soon as you go close the doors and have the behind closed doors meeting, you're plotting to conspire and colluding to take over the fucking world. For sure. You know what I mean? So it's, it's that, you know, that's what I mean when I always talk about intellectual honesty, like you can talk about big concepts in circles with people but if your purpose and your intention isn't to learn and to grow and to you know really get to the heart of the matter honestly without hidden agendas exactly then, you know i think that's what podcasters are giving people they're giving them a place to go where they can honestly it's almost like you're uh, you're the inner monologue for others for sure it's and, almost and like you are their thoughts and that's the hook why they continue to listen to your show is because you're saying, and I hate to say it because it's kind of like the media too. It, it's not really, I'm not trying to coddle people's ideological bullshit, but that is kind of the service that is being performed. You're, you're giving people the courage to think the things that they probably already think, but may or may not have the balls to actually say themselves or to have it uh, with conversations with other people. And that's why I'm always hammering people on my show is you got to get out in your community. You got to talk to your neighbor. You got, you know, even if you don't like them, just have a base relationship to where sure. you can say to your neighbor, Hey man, did you see this? Yeah, I saw this. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Did you hear about this? And now you have this whole network of knowledge because that guy talks to that girl and that girl talks to that guy. And if we just had that, that's what I think they're trying to get rid of. It's exactly. they don't want us talking to our neighbor, man. They don't that's, want us that's exactly the plan. 
They want us to be um, in our homes, like you said, uh, in front of the boob tube or our device, uh, ordering stuff off of Amazon. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's and, and the next step is the Matrix, like you said, being I mean, being, I hate to say it, people being, I mean, fuel, being fuel for the Matrix. <laughs> I haven't stopped talking about the Matrix since uh, this new revolutions or whatever came out, which yeah. was lack I, I told you yeah, it wasn't great it wasn't great but there were some concepts that i really uh liked and i yeah. i like i like i like the concept that in this uh this new version of the uh matrix where neo uh was stuck in that he he had to take the blue pill on a daily basis it was a regiment that he was taking that's when cope. brave new world came the, into the yeah. time i was just saying to matt the other day i really feel like terminator and the Matrix and Brave New World and Orwell's 1984 is like these were supposed to be warnings. Yeah. And now they're merging all of these ideas into this blueprint plan for the world. And the crossover is irrefutable. As soon as you dive into this stuff, you can't get away from it. It's impossible not to see. And even for people like us that are into this stuff, I'm I'm continually frightened by the continued validation that's coming with everything that keeps happening in our world. And, uh, you know, that's why I think I, I enjoy the matrix so much is because there's actually a book called, I forget who the author is, but it's called the philosophy of the matrix. Mm-hmm. And there's so much philosophy, and philosophical concepts, cause and effect that, you know, uh, fatalism, determinism. I mean, there's so much, in there that you know if you're a thinking person that's it's good stuff it's good stuff yeah no you're right so i i wanted to uh bring up this uh tweet that matt taibbi and you saw it on on my facebook uh page that matt taibbi uh tweeted last week in response to those he's a guy that's getting courageous Yes, and he has been uh, for a while but he's basically just a truth guy you know that's that's the thing And, and 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 the thing is is that he tells the truth that that um, that he's a lefty uh so to speak but i mean he doesn't have any problem criticizing the left and uh, right and he's been very vocal on the russia gate uh narrative remember they told us about the uh, you know russia and, and they're still trying to take us to war with russia uh right now i think i mean i i'm really concerned with what's going on in uh ukraine and and the build-up because uh, there's a lot more revenge yeah exactly exactly i mean it doesn't even make sense and and that's the thing and that's the thing you know uh eisenhower warned us you know i mean can you imagine a president of the united states leaving office and giving a farewell address like the one that eisenhower gave in 1960 i mean that's an it's insane i mean the warnings that that he gave us nobody heeded these warnings but this is a president of the united states who was a general of, of the military in in world war ii and he's telling you all of these things that that look you know we need to beware of technology. We need to beware of the military industrial complex. We need to beware of these people who uh, seek to seize public policy and, and all the things that they've done. <laughs> this is a president. It was, starting. <laughs> it was start, you know, it was starting. Yeah. And it, it started uh, like I talked about in uh, my past is crazy. Uh, the history of uh, 1913 
uh, the insta institution of the Federal Reserve you know, IRS, and that yeah. was this, this alleged cabal's getting revenge on the United States, or maybe that was part of the plan the whole time. Who knows? But you, it, when you when you chronologically put the story of America into perspective from the founding until this very moment, and you think about Woodrow Wilson and his decisions, for sure, what he did. And everything that happened from him up until Eisenhower, like you said, mm -hmm. and then everything that happened between Eisenhower and JFK, and that was it. That that's that's what you, all you have to do is look at the timeline yeah. to see that the JFK situation was the turning point. Whatever we were happening, whatever was happening in government on the pres all the way up to the presidential level, it, before that, you know, I, I would make the argument that Eisenhower started it, and then and then. The powers that be got tense, and then the JFK thing happened, and that's when they were like, "Oh, no!" And then so they, think know. about this. Think about this, Andrew. So we just had the one-year anniversary of the January sixth insurrection, and Kamala Harris does a speech, and she says, "You know, January sixth is going to live in infamy. You know, with uh, dates like uh, Pearl Harbor and and nine eleven." And she doesn't even mention the JFK assassination like that's not that's not on the same level as the insurrection or Pearl Harbor or uh 9/11 the fact that a United States president was gunned down in the middle of an uh, American city that doesn't reach the same level as the insurrection or the propaganda is effective yeah, so she so she just leaves that out like that was that was that that is one of the most traumatic events that has ever happened in this country the assassination of a president in a american city and it doesn't even register today people don't even want to want to talk about it i just want you to believe that it was lee Harvey oswald and this lone gunman was able to take out the most powerful leader of uh, a country yeah. in the world <laughs> i mean like that's what that's why you have to have intellectual honesty because you have, have you have to you can't deny the the path that your brain takes when you really start diving into that stuff. Yeah, because it's like it's like where's your perspective? Where is your if that then this? If this is possible, then there's got to be a reason. And then well, I wonder what the reason is. And you start trying to find the reason, and you might not like what you find. And so you know, does that mean you're not going to look because, you know, right. you don't like what you're, what you're fine. Oh, well, so I'm just going to be, you know, Ray Charles and, and, and close my eyes because I don't, I won't like <laughs> what I, what I find, you know? Right. I mean, that, right. So, so, so intellectual honesty is one uh, aspect, Andrew, but the other aspect is a word that, and when I say this word, it's going to it's going to immediately register with you. But intellectual honesty is one part. And then the other part is courage. Oh, yeah. You, you have to have courage. You have and, to. And, and I think that courage is what we are lacking most in today's society. We are not. I mean, the American people are the most courageous people in the world. Everyone understood that leading up to this to this new age and this new millennium we are a courageous people the the things that that Better america, remember it america 
Don't forget yes. it. <laughs> we are courageous people. And, and the thing is, is that we are losing our courage. And, 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 and that's the, because when you have courage, I think my Angela uh, was said, it. she says, courage is the most important of all virtues, because without courage, you cannot practice any of the other virtues with consistency. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely true. Is that any of the other virtues that you consider virtue virtuous, if you do not have courage, you will not you will not be able to practice those other virtues without courage. That that reminds me of uh, do you do you remember I don't know if you saw my episode where I played the clip of the philosophy pro- professor from Austin, Texas in that movie Waking Life by uh, Richard Linklater and he yes. says and he says, you know, why is human history just this endless uh, string of zeros? You know, no new virtues have come into existence. He says, hell, the Romans and the Greeks thousands of years ago were just as advanced as we were. Mm-hmm. And then he said, so what is it that prevents human beings from reaching their full potential? And he says the answer to that question can be found in another, another question. And that's this. What are or what is the most universal human characteristic regardless of country and nation and uh, race and culture just that just think about the human being in and of itself right what are two of the most universal human characteristics that we all share and his answer is fear and laziness and that blew my mind when i heard that because that's like the anomaly in the matrix The, the the problem is choice some of us are going to choose good. Some of us are going to choose evil. Some of us are going to choose fear. Some of us are going to choose love. And it goes back to that binary dichotomous, you know, the duality of man. Uh, philosophies and, and thinking is. But the key word there is choice. No, choice. The key word there, the key word there is choice. And, and I want to read this this tweet from uh, Matt Taibbi that uh, he tweeted last week when everyone's, I guess there's uh, 250 doctors that signed a letter that they want Spotify to take, to take (laughs) Joe Rogan off the air or, or they want him to put a warning, a warning, like uh, a sign on the Joe Rogan. You may be exposed to actual information. Beware. And, 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 you know, and if you, anyone who's ever watched Joe Rogan's podcast, he's just, he's doing what we're doing here. He's just having a discussion, you know, it's not. No ulterior motives. No ulterior motives at all. But Matt Taibbi says there's no shortcut in media. Uh, You can't force trust. If audiences listen to people like Joe Rogan much more than mainstream sources, uh, critics should ask themselves why that might be. Why Why are people choosing? And, and these are consumers. I mean, we're basically consumers. When I go to the store and I buy a uh, toothpaste, if I want to buy AIM instead of Crest or um, another um, uh, um, toothpaste brand, I'm a consumer. I'm making that choice. Why? Am I making the choice to buy this particular product? And when you are consuming media, whether it's Joe Rogan or CNN or MSNBC, why am I choosing to consume Joe Rogan over MSNBC, CBS, any of the mainstream? Voting with your dollar. Voting with your dollar or with your ears or with your eyes. And this is what Matt uh, Taibbi is saying. He's saying, you know, these people who are criticizing Joe Rogan, they need to be asking themselves, why are consumers 
millions more consumers choosing to consume Joe Rogan's content over your content. I mean, that's a it's a very yeah. profound question. Because they don't you agree. Know? They don't agree with what the message is coming. Well, they from know those. that they yeah. know that they're being manipulated. They, right. The trust. The trust in the mainstream media. Um, I mean, ever since the 1996 telecommunications, that trust in the media has gone down. People do not trust corporate media. So um, that's what it comes down to. And he says that, uh, so you got to you got to ask why that might be and realize that trying to censor or control his show will only compound their own trust issues that you oh, censoring yeah. you censoring joe rogan and other podcasts and and trying uh to call them disinformation and and keep them off the air that's not going to change my behavior as a consumer you know where i mean as soon as as soon as twitter took dr malone off of twitter oh man dr malone dr malone immediately had my attention very telling you know what i mean yeah oh yeah <laughs> He immediately had my attention because you're trying to censor him and whoever you're trying to censor, that's who I want to listen to. That, yeah, that reminds me of what Tim pool talked about that on his show where he said, uh, it used to be, uh, uh, the truth is what we are going to report. And now it's what we report is the it's truth. The, truth. It's they exactly want right. the, the media is trying to pr- position themselves as real. And everything else is fantasy and uh, radicalism and whatever, you know. And that's th- that's another thing that happened with um, the death of real news and the advent of social media, the brave new tech world that's coming, et cetera, et cetera. So, yep. Interesting. So- Anyway, I um, I just think that that you you're not going to be able uh, to can change to change the behaviors of consumers in a free society. People are going to consume what they want to consume, and and that's only- proving the effectiveness of capitalism. That's true. <laughs> <As well. laughs> that's a, that's true, and 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 it is capitalism. It's one hundred percent. I mean, the freedom to consume and to uh, make decisions for yourself. Um, if I want to listen to Andrew's podcast, Sam's podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to find it. I'm going to, uh, consume that media because, uh, that's the media I find value in. And if people are choosing, uh, you know, um, alternative forms of media and, uh, things like podcasts, um, then yeah, I mean, just like Matt Taibbi says, these mainstream corporate uh, outlets, they should be asking themselves why. Why are people choosing this over us? And if they ever got around to asking those questions, the answer would be epic. You know, it's uh, well, I, agenda- you know, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say they're agenda driven. Uh, it's it's evident. Uh, um, they um, like we were talking about uh, logical arguments. They don't uh, do any logical arguments on the mainstream. It's all indoctrination. It's all feeling. Um, so they are basically targeting your emotions. You see that on a, on a day to day basis. Them manipulating you emotionally. Um, and you can see uh, you can a perfect illustration of that is that that talking points uh you know that video that went around the social media where everyone was talking about 
this every it was news Sincla- show Sinclair, was, it was, yeah it was Sinclair Media I know exactly what the but right. you see it yeah and every every just, single news station is saying the same thing which proves scripts. that consistent messaging is coming down from the top yeah and being disseminated to be disseminated to all of us and if 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 you can't look at that and say to yourself hmm how is that even possible if there isn't a framework behind the scenes making that happen you can't go backwards from that once you know that that's happening i mean i suppose you can walk through the rest of your life telling yourself that you didn't see that and that you didn't think about it for five seconds but now you're lying to yourself and that's what i keep saying on my show all the time stop lying to yourself (laughs) you trust your intuition trust what your senses and your sensory perception is trying to tell you you know whether you call that you know divine spirit or you know determinism whatever like i i forget who said the quote but uh it, it was like in religious terms like um i don't think an almighty omnipotent god would want us to deny the use of the five senses that he's given us For and it's sure. so true like you're just going to you're just going to pretend that you haven't been given all these gifts of reason and rational thought and being able to process the universe for the short time that you're on this planet, whatever that means. And nobody like the average person literally at this point of our conversation, if they walked into the room and heard what we were talking about, they'd probably be like, Whoa, crazy nut jobs. What are you guys, you know, but really the reason why they feel that way is because of everything we've been talking about. All of that is being erased from society all of your ability to even process the concepts are going away and it is it looks like the planned destruction of not only the american empire but maybe you know maybe the well, it's not and that's, world. I no. mean, and that's i mean when you say you know maybe the american empire um you know when you look around at the rest of the world and um and this, that was something that uh, that Abraham Lincoln said that that if America is is gone, then you know there's no place else to go. There's no there, place else to go. There really is no place else to go. And uh, and you see what's going on in the rest of the world. Like not only like I'm not talking about third world countries or uh you know countries with um with theocracies like iran or uh totalitarian countries like china i'm talking about first world allies of the united states australia canada um um germany um um the the netherlands what what you see going on right now with the medical tyranny in the face of COVID that is going on in that in those countries that are, are first world Western countries, you know, um, and you see what's going on in those places. I mean, you don't want to have anything to do with that. You wouldn't want to be living in Australia right now. I was just going to say, I was just going to say Australia specifically. I've been following Australia <laughs> quite a bit lately, and it is terrifying. It's and, bad in Canada too. It's bad. And, in Canada if, too. and if they didn't have, and, and the reason, and I can't remember who said this, but somebody made a really good point that 
the only thing separating the United States from being Canada, Australia right now is the second amendment. And the fact that the general population still owns firearms. As soon yeah. as they get our guns, boy, we will yeah. be. We and they will want be them. The next Australia. They we'll want be the next I, I, I would say the bill of rights in, in general, but the, the whole system right. that we I have, that, the whole system that we have, the fact that, uh, that we have a different system. We have uh, a Republic. Uh, we don't have a parliamentary system uh, like uh, like these other countries. And um, we have the separation of powers. Um, we have a bicameral legislature. Um, like that's the whole debate uh, right now. They're trying to pass voter voter suppression uh, laws and, and they're not able to to get it uh, passed because of cinema uh, and, and Joe Manchin or blocking them from eliminating the filibuster or uh, suspending the filibuster. And you I mean, our system What's the is, intention in that, too, you know, like, man, to take, think about it. To take control, to federalize yeah. our elections and, and take control is what they wanted to do. And, More usurping. Uh, that's exactly what it is. And um, and, and I'm so glad that uh, Manchin and, and Cinema aren't allowing them uh, to do it. And But our system, I mean, our the, the Supreme Court last week just knocked down Joe Biden's uh, vaccine mandates that he was going to be trying to do <laughs> through still OSHA. Uh, still yeah, so... So we, I mean, we do have a uh, a system that is uh, better for uh, for protecting the rights of the minority in this country, and uh, I'm appreciative of it. But I don't expect it to be that way uh, forever. I see them, you know, uh, breaking down um, our system and uh, their desire to eliminate. Um, parts of our system like the electoral college i've heard them talking about getting rid of that getting rid of um you know um i've even heard people talking about getting rid of the senate and just having you know one legislative body and and yet they, they hate our system because the system that was designed does protect the right of minorities and like i said i'm very appreciative of that yeah, you, that's a unique perspective you don't hear very much these days is, is you know, the celebration of, you know, regardless of who these men predominantly in the past were that founded the nation, um, you know, you, you don't really hear the good stories and the, the how much time and effort and purpose and virtue that these people felt in order to set the wheels in motion to be courageous and revolt from a king and create something new that yeah. that you know it, it's every time i talk about this stuff i always think about william wallace and braveheart freedom you yeah. know he's <laughs> and you know some I, I sometimes i think that guys like you and me should have that's what we should have we, we were born in the wrong age in the wrong era we should have been one of those founders talking about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Like, well, what do you think about this? We're going to come up against this. What should we do? Well, we better do this. You know what I mean? It's like, and that kind of level of conversation doesn't even happen in schools or even universities anymore. It's easy. It's easy yeah. to see how these institutions that, you know, are supposed to perpetuate the culture of a nation are getting just demolished, destroyed. They are. 
Um, and you see it. I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, we're at war. And um, I, I, um, one thing that I love about uh, Alex Jones and uh, and his um, his show is that the name of his show, the Info War, because I mean, he he really did uh you know grab a hold of that idea early on and it's absolutely true that that we're in a war and it's an information war of information yep and and it's a war for information and that's the war that we're engaged in and um i mean and i mean i'm up for the fight you know it's uh we we have to help uh deconstruct these these narratives and uh the uh the indoctrination and the social engineering that is being targeted at us and it's basically you win the war by winning the messaging war if you, yeah and I, I so if if you can win the messaging war you win the war and everything's about messaging so and you know and i think that's what podcasts are going to give to people is a place to go where there isn't a society uh, a societal gatekeeper or a tv screen or a quote-unquote authority figure telling you what to think and what to feel you can go to a podcast and and like like you, we were talked about previously you're listening to someone say things and you you as the listener are agreeing or disagreeing right yeah. and you're ha- you're now you're a part of it. Now you're, it's almost as if you are in the room having the conversation, even though you're not listening. And I think that the way society is going, those places like the tavern where, you know, the tavern where all the guys used to get together and talk yeah. about politics, th- those days are, you know, the, the church f- uh, facilitated that function in our yeah. society in the past. And that still does, but that's kind of going away uh, on certain levels. People need that respite, that that place away from the wife or the significant other, away from the kids, away from the job, uh, to decompress and process everything else in in you know your life. And that's another thing I fear with uh, you know inflation and the prices going up and just the way that everyday normal life is for the average American you almost don't have that social leisure time anymore. And I hate that. I know that all this, all the lefty socialists, every time I start talking about people need more leisure time, they just jump on me like, Oh, leisure time. Hmm. Thank the union. You know? And it's like, yeah, you know, there's positives and negatives to everything. I'm not a hundred percent against collectivism and small doses. It can work. You know, I'm a veteran. I go to the VA hospital. Boom. You know I mean? It's that's Mm -hmm. the small, level socialism i guess you could say but you know that's what the checks and balances and the beauty of our system is is this tempering of capitalism uh with democracy i guess you could say right and that's the beauty of it is that and i i know that's where the left and the right comes out of and all that but it it it, it's interesting to look at how all of that history came about and then somewhere in the 240 whatever five six years of america now something something happened that is irrefutable something happened to change that progression and i think that's kind of what we're talking about today is that's what we're trying to get people to see is look 
you know, you can, you can listen to everything your TV tells you. Sure. You know, you can call me crazy for bringing the stuff up constantly. And that's kind of why I stopped posting on social media all the time. Cause you're, you, the, you, I tell people all the time, you're going to, you're going to get pushback from nine out of 10 people that you try to talk to about certain stuff. And that's why I started doing a podcast just for my own personal therapy. <laughs> too. Exactly. Personal, no, I, I, I get just that. To get it out, you know? So yeah. I get that, you know, so just to bounce it off the wall. And, uh, and, and that's the thing too, is that, I mean, if you don't listen to anything on my podcast that, that I say, I mean, that's another thing that we have, uh, the tools, you know, to look up whatever, uh, we want to dive deeper. So I give you maybe a, uh, surface view of a concept on my podcast and then you, take the responsibility from there and then start doing a little research. Why don't you yeah. go and, uh, and start, you know, looking yeah, I give people homework on my show. I'm like, here, here's homework <laughs> for you. Go take a look at this, you know, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up and then try to, uh, get together and do another one of these. Uh, for sure. Soon. Yeah. Before we go, let's do, let's kind of introduce ourselves last. So, okay. uh, so you go first. So give, give my listeners uh, and your new audience a little background on where you come from and what your background is. Oh, so I know that I was going to mention this. I know that we both have degrees in sociology. I have a degree in sociology uh, from the uh, uh, University of Texas, Southwest Texas, just south of Austin. Uh, I went uh, and I, I have actually two degrees. I have a degree in sociology and uh, mass communications. Really interesting is when I was uh, in college uh, taking courses in sociology and mass communication, there was a lot of crossover uh, in those disciplines because uh, sociology and uh, socializing is about communications. You know? so, so there was a lot of crossover um, and um um, I wasn't hugely into to politics. I, I, I love history. History's um, one of uh, my favorite disciplines. But things really started to change for me after 9-11. My entire, uh, the entire world changed. But for me, uh, my entire outlook of the world started to uh, change. And I remember, uh, you remember the Loose Change movie? Oh, yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so I so for me after 9/11 happened and I uh, Loose Change was the very first documentary that uh, I watched and there was a lot of things that were introduced in that documentary but there was this one picture that they showed in uh, that documentary that that basically opened my eyes. It was the catalyst of uh, my new way of thinking and there was this picture of the Pentagon. And they were showing um, how the silhouette of what a 747 would look like if it had actually flown into the, the Pentagon. And they were showing the wingspan of the plane uh, along the uh, the path that they told us that the plane went. And there was all of there was all of this uh, window glass that was still intact along the the plane the 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 span of the the plane where if if a plane had really hit the pentagon and the wings would have gone you know through uh this area it would have at least shattered the glass 
it would have at least shattered the glass. And I see this glass intact, these window panes intact in the Pentagon, where they told us a plane is supposed to have gone in. And I say, how, how could that have happened? And I was convinced yep. at that point in time that no plane went into the Pentagon. And uh, from there, I mean, that was just like I said, it was the catalyst. From there, um, I just start doing uh, research, um, tons of research into 9-11, which took me back to doing uh, tons of research into the Kennedy assassination. And um, it was basically a, a, a change in, in thought that uh, I experienced from um, from that experience that basically changed my life and changed my, my point of view. And, and that's how I got into researching and um, and how I started doing my podcast. Yep, it reminds me of, uh, I think it's William Butler Yeats. Uh, Education is not the filling of a pail, it's the lighting of a fire. And I love that quote because I, I, I kind of, you know, I talk about the quest. You got to start your quest uh, on my show, moving from ignorance towards wisdom and knowledge. And I think for me, um, 9-11 was definitely a turning point for me, for sure, as well, because it, it it was for everybody of our generation. You know, that that's one of the things that, I mean, I think I suspected certain stuff before 9-11 happened, but you're right. I agree with you. For me too, it was the same experience. When 9-11 happened, you knew that uh, the stories that you were, we were being told and the stories that weren't being told that actually occurred uh, from eyewitness testimony, uh, again, a picture started to form where you were like, okay, not every, you know, there is, there is this facade, you know, how on my show sometimes I talk about too many of us put people up on a pedestal. And I think for the longest time, the government was put up on a pedestal. And that was probably part of the propaganda and the everything that we always talk about. But as soon as um, the mask slipped a little bit, as soon as the, you know, what's that movie with um, uh, Matt Damon, where he starts to see them switching the scenes around him and he's realizing that he's like in this Truman show kind of world where there are these people pulling the strings and setting things up and putting things in front of him for kind of manipulating the, the scenario. And that's when I think it was like, for me, I describe, I describe it as getting a tattoo or, or like trying your, you know, your favorite drug for the first time. It's like, once you do it, you're like, Oh, that's it. <laughs> like I'm addicted, I'm hooked and, and, you know, I'm the type of guy who's kind of boisterous and I have, um, I can be incredulous. I can be too, I once upon a time was too quick to believe everything that I heard. And I think part of my quest with podcasting, especially now, uh, and thinking about all the stuff and studying and doing research was learning how to become a more skeptical, discerning person, just in general, exactly. yeah. and learning how to vet the information that you receive, check your sources, um, look for the common themes and the common threads throughout history because they're there. You yeah. start looking long enough, it is, it's, ir, it's, it's impossible not to see how this connects to this and this happened because of this in the past and the you know, chronology of things. Um, but then, you know, for me personally, and my audience knows this about me and you do too, uh, you know, I was in the military for four years. Uh, I did uh, 
uh, two Western Pacific deployments, and one in 97, one in 99. Uh, I was an operations specialist, second class petty officer on a Marine amphibious transport dock ship where I launched Marine boat raids to the beach. I played war games for four years. That was my job in the military. Uh, I had a, sec a secret security clearance, and the only thing I ever used it for uh, was to plot bearings and ranges to Iranian missile silos as my ship was going through the Straits of Hormuz into the Persian Gulf. Sounds mm -hmm. like, wow, this guy's been some places. He's done some stuff, right? But mm -hmm. really, I just showed up, man. <laughs> I just showed up for work on time. And, you know, so much of our everyday lives as individuals gets completely blown out of proportion by, you know, society and social media and everything that I think one of my um, consistent themes that I want to, I maybe haven't talked about as, as much previously on the show, but I'm going to start talking about more is you got to start trusting yourself and trusting your own eyes. And people have to, I, I'm trying to empower people to say to themselves, don't run away from uh, the fear that you feel when you encounter something that maybe gives you cognitive dissonance or whatever. You got to run towards that. that that's, that's a gift. It's, it yes. reminds me of uh, Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine. You, uh, your anger is a gift. Yes. So pro use it, but use it constructively and use it in a way that you're actually benefiting society and your fellow man than just benefiting yourself. Use your reason, have the best intention of the whole in mind, not just using your intelligence and manipulating your environment to appease your own personal standard of living. What kind of person do you want to be? And that's kind of my, my overarching theme on my show moving forward is going to be, you got to have more faith in your own mind and in your own beliefs and your own thoughts, because there is a concerted effort to shut that shit up and make you just fall in line and believe everything you're being told. So absolutely. And for, and, and another thing that, that is, that started to become really dear uh, to me was, okay, so 9-11 was a, a huge uh, catalyst uh, to an awakening for me. But also after, um, after, and, and so George Bush was the governor of Texas when I was coming up and, and going to uh, college in Texas. So he was the governor and then he becomes the president of the United States. I didn't like George Bush as governor of Texas and definitely didn't vote for him for president. He becomes president and then 9-11 happens and then you have eight years of George Bush and then the Bush administration is uh, winding down and then you have this guy Obama coming out uh, you know, on, on the scene. And uh, I voted for Obama in 2008. I uh, believe all the rhetoric that uh, he was talking about that we're one country, we're not a black country or a white country, we're one country, we're the United States of America, and you know, all this rhetoric. And then uh, once he gets into office, I knew for a fact that, that I'd been had, that this yeah. guy was 100% a, a fraud. And all he did was push uh, racial division. And, uh, and I started to see that, uh, before Obama, you know, me as a black man, I, you know, know the history of black people in the United States of America, but I did feel, uh, it, 
particularly my experience as a Gen Xer, that uh, that racism in America was like a wound. And um, it was a wound that had started to uh, to heal. I mean, it had started, and this is my analogy that I use that, um, uh, you know, it wasn't a fully healed wound, but uh, it had stopped bleeding. Right. Um, it had started to scab over on the mend. It, it was on the mend and Barack Obama seems to have come in to office and intentionally ripped that wound open again. And now yeah. it's oozing fre- fresh blood. And um, I see them using this racial issue to divide the country. A lot of this new world order movement that, that they are pushing now is couched in racism. Look, I mean, they're trying to seize and federalize our elections and make it about racism right now, you know? So that's something that also became very, uh, very um, important to me to push back against this uh, racial tribalism and this narrative uh, that uh, is being used to bring about the new world order and use racism and black people as this Trojan horse. So that's another very important part of what I want to do on my podcast, not only expose the world order, but expose the tools that they're using to bring about the new world order. And one of those tools, one of the most significant tools is this tool of perpetuating racism and the racial uh, tribalism that's going on. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's our gift too. I think that you're really good at it. And I think I'm trying to be better at it. And I've heard a lot of podcasters that, that uh, I would put into this category of being able to catch those people as soon as they take the red pill. And as soon as they make the decision consciously within themselves to say, this isn't adding up, I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm going to investigate. And that's, that's what I think the future of podcasting is going to be. Uh, for a lot of people is we're going to catch you and we're going to take you on a ride. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be scary, but it's also going to be illuminating and enjoyable. And uh, we know we're fulfilling a market need. I mean, look, look at (laughs) Joe Rogan is as successful as he is. Tim pool, other commentators are as successful as they are for a reason. That's for a reason. It's market forces. Incarnate is what is consumers consumers choosing to consume. That's that's exactly what I was saying. That people are choosing to consume uh, his product, and uh, you're not forcing people to consume it. They want to. They're seeking it out. They want it. So as soon uh, as they make that, that's that's what I was trying to say. Is that as soon as they, you know, and I, I make this argument on my show is like when I say it has to start inside first. What I mean by that is those epiphany moments that you and I just got done describing about our quest and our path is happening every single day to people all around this world. And, you know, that's, it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, you know, it's a big enemy. It's a big mountain to overcome uh, the mainstream media uh, conglomerate gatekeepers of information out there. That's a tall task. Uh, I want to, 
I want to know? say that any, anybody who is uh, interested in checking out a new podcast, uh, please uh, go to my website. It's according to Sam with the number two dot com. Uh, I'm also going to be doing a lot of uh, writing in my blog uh, on that website in 2022. And then um, I'm also going to be doing uh, uh, videos, um, short five minute, seven minute videos that I'm going to be adding to my content in 2022. And uh, you'll find those videos on YouTube and Rumble by doing a, a search for According to Sam with the number two. And uh, I appreciate anyone who uh, wants to come and give me a listen. Yeah, tell people where they can find you again. So your show is on SoundCloud right now, right? So you can find my podcast anywhere that you get your podcast. Um, I'm on SoundCloud, um, on Apple Podcasts, on, on Spotify, uh, Podbean, um, um, with that, um, with the feed that we use to uh, distribute our podcast, that feed's picked up by pretty much anyone uh, who publishes podcasts. So anywhere that you get your podcast, you should be able to find me. But on those, uh, if you're looking to subscribe and follow and get alerts when the new podcast is uh, is uh, is uh, published, then um, I recommend uh, Spotify or SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Don't you have a store now too with some sweet gear that all of our listeners should be checking out? Oh you yes, I do have yet? a I do have a store. My store is Hunter's Stash dot com hunters yeah, like like, like, yep. like 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 hunter as in hunter biden's stash box is the name <laughs> of my store and you can you can go to my store i've designed some t-shirts i i have some uh some let's go brandon bumper stickers on my store i have some uh mugs i i any laptop I, any illicit laptop laptop uh screenshots that we can all check out <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything like that, but just go to hunterstash.com and you'll see um, all the stuff that I have on, on my store uh, there. And uh, yeah, I do appreciate any support uh, that, that you folks want to uh, give uh, to me. Um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a process and I'm trying to uh, make it happen and um, we'll see where it goes. But uh, it's been a, it's been a very, um, interesting uh, three years of me doing my podcast and I can definitely see the benefits and the growth of the podcast uh, coming uh, now. Uh, my history uh, podcast that I've been doing probably over you know the last few months uh, where I'm telling the story of the founding of the United States of America starting I started in the Roman Empire with uh, Pax Romana and then went through the crisis of the third century I'm telling the story of Islam and the, uh, how Islam uh, influenced uh, I get you know, so into that stuff I love that you're doing that I get so into all that uh, so those have been very popular the uh, those podcasts people are really and that's why I'm why I'm doing it because I know people don't know this stuff andrew and schools the aren't doing it. no the schools aren't doing it nobody's giving this these people this information and it's eye-opening when you understand and it's put into context for Absolutely. you you can understand these things so that's what i'm doing on my podcast and uh it's been received very well yeah man you're doing a great job i love your show and uh, i always love talking to you man and let's definitely do more of these in the future definitely this has uh, been great we'll some, maybe we'll get some get together offline and uh, do some more focused shows too, uh, where sure. we take a, we take a concept and 
a topic and just that's pretty much the only topic we talk about that show i think that'd be cool to do rather than just uh because you know you and i both are solo podcasters which i've been learning is rare a lot of people have co-hosts and teams of people behind the scenes doing stuff and that just speaks to uh the vastness of our experience and and energy for research and um let's toot our own horns a little bit and just, you know, the vests of maybe the intellect a little bit too, to be able to solo show and, and the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to, um, well, it's a lot. It, I mean, just that, that right, right there where you were hung up on, and then I butt in and and kind of like you know take it, you know. For I mean, when you have a it's partner doing a <laughs> it's a, it's it's a lot helpful. You bouncing off of each other. If you get hung up and and you know you are are lost in, in thought, uh, your partner can you know take. It's a lot easier doing it with someone else, and um, that's why most people do you know podcasts with with groups of people at least a a team um i don't i mean i i didn't want to wait around and find a partner to do a podcast with um i really wanted to start you know producing and so i did it by myself uh but you and i just knocked out uh, two hours you know here just bouncing ideas off each other and going back and forth with relatively relative ease so it, it's a lot easier, but uh, I do think that it says something about us to be able to do our podcast. Yeah. I, I was just I was just thinking about that word purpose you used earlier uh, on the show today about um, it's just for me, it's it's one part therapeutic and one part the rewarding. Like, it's just been so rewarding for me. It's almost like an artistic outlet and. Uh, you know, it's all, what's that saying that people always say that um, uh, when a teacher teaches a pupil, both people benefit or like you're, you're reteaching yourself or whatever. That's, it's like, it's like you're constantly giving yourself a refresher course doing the show after you've done the research. And even if I didn't have any listeners for me, just being able to get that into a podcast has been so rewarding. For me, it's not even about the money or the business aspect yet if the show grows to a level where that starts to become a thing, then perfect. Awesome. Uh, but for me right now, um, it's rewarding. And, uh, I'm starting to see, like we talked about before, if we can just get one or two people to think about their environment, about the world they live in, we're doing our job. And you know what I've I've noticed and, and I'm going to definitely give you, uh, some props with this because I, I understand that you are a, um, a very voracious reader and researcher and um and there's stuff that you are reading and have read and uh, for your own edification even before you were doing the podcast you were you know you know reading and uh researching and diving in so i mean even if you weren't doing the podcast you would still be learning all of this stuff for your own edification you know so you're just doing the podcast to um to help other people understand the stuff that you're learning for yourself right you know what i mean that's it's like like a game of telephone yeah Uh, i've i've been through a shitload of pens and highlighters in my day that's for sure (laughs) yeah and, and and i know that and, and and sometimes like I mean there was when I when you uh, quoted that I mean and that's the other thing we we 
are not going to be able to get into this. We're having a good time. We're going to do more. Yeah, we're having a good time. But uh, when you brought uh, the quotes uh, from that guy who uh, oh, started yeah, the Rudolph Wardoff, Stone. yes, the Wardoff schools, um, and um, I was just so blown away by those quotes and uh, that research that you had done. And isn't it fascinating that all of these people who are um, – they're basically uh, creating these major movements throughout the world in, in, in human society today, how they all come from Austria, how all these people you know, are, oh, yeah. are, are German, Austrian in some yep. way, like, you know, the Zionist movement, Theodore Herzl was from Austria, communism, um, you know, um, uh, Marx, Karl Marx is from Austria. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's just fascinating that that area of the world is, I mean, um, Sigmund Freud from Austria, all that, all these people who are like huge, um, created huge philosophies that are huge movements around the world. They all come from this same area in Germany, Austria. I just, it is, it is I crazy just to think about that. that. Austro-Hungarian Prussian yeah. era was, I mean, it, it reminds me of that book. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book Guns, Dreams, and Steel, Jared Diamond. It's uh, some of the most uh, statistically, like it's so dense with numbers and research, uh, how he talks about the white Europeans that developed metallurgy first. That was the beginning of having a military advantage. And that's the only reason why white Anglo-Saxon Protestants spread around the world and dominated so many places uh, mm -hmm. early on throughout history. And it's, it's, it was literally something that stupid. Like you were just the first group of people that had this technological advance that gave you an unfair advantage militarily. And like just learning little things like that out of one book, yeah. I still remember tidbits like that to this day. Like my mind just sponges up stuff like that. So you're right. I, I do. That is, I think, one of my, my abilities is I can pull from things I've read in the middle of a conversation. Now, and it comes uh, out it comes out in your podcast. It just, it just comes out. And I'm like, oh, like, I'll be in the middle of talking about something and boom, this phrase from a book I read in 20 years ago would just pop in my my mind. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of my, my angles, I guess you could say on my show. But uh, everybody's got their thing, man. Everybody has their little niche. And it, I, I'm as much, you know, thinking about that. Uh, I'm not just a, a customer. I'm a uh uh, what, is, what is that a hair commercial from the hair club for men? I'm not, yeah, the uh, hair club for men I'm a client. I'm, not just, I'm not just a customer or I'm not just the owner or something. I'm the client. I don't know. Right. That. Right. And that's what it is. It's like, it's, it's, I'm giving something to the audience, but I'm also giving it to myself first. For sure. For <laughs> Pre, sure. No, you know, that, primarily. And that, 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 and that comes out in uh, your podcast, uh, how Thanks, well you're that. read, you know. Have you ever read the book, The Naked Communist? The what? The Naked Communist. The Naked Communist? Communist, yeah. No. So that may be uh, something that you that you want, want to uh, check out. I haven't read it either. I was just doing some uh, research, and that book uh, came up, and I'm definitely going to uh, want to pick it up. But um, I mean, you, that's another. That's oh no! Another yeah, I was going to say. Uh, let me let me recommend a book to you too. So I was just talking okay. with Matt because you 
what made me think about this is you said you're uh, talking about the founding of the nation yeah. uh, on the show quite a bit. And there's a book called Rule, Rulers of Evil mm -hmm. um, that I'm bringing up right now here. Sorry, bear with me. Give me a minute. But apparently Matt from the Great Deception podcast told me that it's the story of the Roman Catholic Church and the Jesuits involvement yeah. in the founding of the United States. And here we go. It's, it's by F. Tupper Saucy. Rulers of evil, that's useful right knowledge alley. about governing bodies. <laughs> that's right. That's right up my alley. Um, and I will definitely pick up that book. And 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 I do know about the Jesuits. Uh, oh, I know you do. <laughs> that's what I thought you The founding of this. Uh, country and it's something that that people really need to understand i often say that uh that you can't understand anything that is going on in the world and in the united states today without an understanding the council of trent and the council of trent is the church council that that founded the jesuits that yeah. uh when the reformation started uh to happen in germany and in europe uh the catholic church um, instead of um, instead of reforming themselves as the reformers of the Reformation were criticizing the church and, and, and wanting them to do reform themselves, what the Catholic Church did was it instituted a counter-reformation. And the counter-reformation was the Council of Trent and the institution of the Jesuits. And if you don't understand that, you really can't understand anything that's going on in the world today. So yeah, that's I why history is so book. important. Absolutely. That's why I tell important. people all the time, you got to dive into this stuff because it'll change your life. Like absolutely. I, people don't believe it when you say that, but it will, it will definitely, you will become a different, better version of yourself. Sure. The more history you, you study for sure. All right, bro. Well, let's do this again uh, soon. This is fun. I love it. This is a great time. This is giving me some purpose here in freezing cold Minnesota where I can't go out of my house to do. Is it, is it snowing so. there? Has it snowed? Is What's it snowing? That? Is it snowing there? It's not snowing, but uh, we're in the middle of a wind chill advisory where the wind chills are down to negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit right now. So, oh, wow. It looks like a sunny Minnesota day, but as soon as you dip your toe outside your front door, it is a new, brave new world. <laughs> you are entering. <laughs> well, hopefully, it starts warming up for you guys here pretty oh, soon. Oh, I'm coming out to San Diego, man. We should, I'm coming to visit. Last time you were, last time you were here, I was in Vegas and I didn't get to see you guys. And I was really disappointed. Scott called me and he was like, Andrew's yeah. here. We're having dinner. And I was like, I'm in Vegas. I'm, I was really bummed that I didn't get to see you guys. I was looking but, forward to that too, but we'll do it again. We'll, we'll, sure. we gotta, we gotta plan a, a visit when I come out there and you and me and Scott, uh, get together. And for, for those of, uh, our listeners that don't know, uh, a friend of mine, Scott, that I used to work with back in the day is friends with Sam. And that's how me and Sam connected uh, once upon a time, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Uh, let's do our friend Scott. So yeah, we got all three of us get together in San Diego in the future, for sure. Well, I'm, lo I'm looking forward to it. Um, but for your listeners, you can email me at andrew4america1984 at gmail.com. You can go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com and uh, buy a t-shirt or donate to the show. And then look for me on all the your favorite social media platforms out there. And Sam, this has been amazing. And let's definitely do more of these in the future. Definitely. I really enjoyed it, Andrew. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later. 
All right, people, that's the show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Send me an email at andrewforamerica1984 at gmail.com. And you know what? Send me an email and let me know why the fuck you guys hate Joe Rogan so much. I'd love to hear your your, uh, opinions. I want to hear it. I want to hear the good and the bad. You know why? Because I don't get it. I don't get it. I hope you liked this uh, show today. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Sam's a very articulate and intelligent guy. Uh, I've learned so much from his podcast. And if you guys aren't listening to his show, I do not know what the fuck you are doing with your life. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Donate to the show. Listen to the show. Or buy a t-shirt. Look for me on Instagram, Twitter, Gab, Rumble, Facebook. Uh, send a pri- uh, send a uh, request to be invited into the private Facebook group, Andrew for America Comedy and Commentary, where me and Sam Winchester and some other friends and like-minded individuals uh, post funny memes and uh, talk shit in there. It's awesome. That's it, people. I'm not going to do any punk rock today because this interview was punk rock and the show is getting to be kind of long. So that's it for today. I love you guys as always. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 79 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled One Foot In, One Foot Out. We'll see you next time.